Support for this show is brought to you by our friends at Bloomerang. Bloomerang offers donor management and online fundraising software that helps small to medium nonprofits like First Tee of Greater Akron, a nonprofit empowering kids and teens through the game of golf. After just one year with Bloomerang, they doubled their unique donors, improved donor stewardship, and raised more funds. To listen to the full interview of First Tee of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com slash weareforgood or click the link in our show notes. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Becky, what's happening? I tell you what, John, I need to, I need to start out a little differently with our intro today because you know how proud I am of my Italian heritage. And if there is anything that happens with Italians, it's that we gather around a really big meal. We break bread together. And those are some of the most joyous, happy memories of my life. And I think about if you remove that meal, like the loss of identity, the loss of community, the loss of nutrition. I mean, we are holding court and we want to create space this season to talk about what is happening with the food crisis here, not just in the United States, but it's happening globally, folks. And so we are so honored today to bring in a complete expert and powerhouse, Louise Guardia, who's the president of Food Research and Action Center, and they are working to end hunger in America. We talk about getting to the systemic root of issues so deeply in nonprofit. And today we're going to be diving into food scarcity. But first, I want to give you a little bit of background on Louise, who has this amazing winding path in nonprofit. But prior to coming to FRAC, I love that acronym, by the way, he served in the top leadership roles in global philanthropy and international development organizations, including you know, little places like Global Impact, the One Campaign, the International Center for Research on Women. Thank you for that, Louise. And he's had just a beginning career in arts and media with NPR and the Guggenheim Collection. But Louise just really has this heart for improving nutrition, health, and well-being of people who are just struggling against poverty-related hunger in the U.S. So we're going to be talking about advocacy. We're going to be talking about partnerships. I hope you're buckled up because we want you educated today, and we're going to make sure that we can activate you no matter where you are in your corner of the world. Louise, welcome to We Are For Good podcast. We're thrilled you're here. Thank you so much, Becky. It's great to be here. And uh yeah, a great introduction. You know, the uh, the the connection with uh, between people and food and their history, their community, it it, it just it, it's one of those universal things that kind of connects all of us, right? Indeed. And I just want to thank our friends, Jeff Hare and Sarah Adolfson at the Artemis Agency who connected us with your mission. And we just are fascinated by it. And before we dive into what FRAC is doing to really disrupt um, this movement in time, we want to get to know you first. So take us back and like, tell us about little Louise. Where did he grow up? Why does he care about things like this today? And kind of share your passions with us. Yeah. So yeah, Becky, it's really quite interesting. You know, people look at my background and they see international development, they see the arts and like, holy 
cow? How did this, how did this all weave together? So uh, you know, my entire career has really been in nonprofits and in nonprofits that, uh, like all nonprofits, you know, we're looking to make a change. Um, I started out uh, in museum, in the arts. I was an art history major. Uh, yes, uh, for all those parents out there thinking, oh, what are my kids going to do with an art degree? Well, they could end hunger. They could do a lot. John, longer. are you feeling that? <laughs> it was my minor. Yeah. I mean, you can podcast with okay. that. It works. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, well, I mean, when I started my career in, in, in art museums, it was all about connection and getting, getting people connected to the artwork. Uh, there was um, uh, connecting school kids uh, with uh, uh, with important um at cultural institutions in, in their communities. And that took me uh, to uh, 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 to sort of broaden my uh, potential to do different things and go to business school. And the idea was, well, I'll go to business school and I'll get a management degree and I'll go back and work in museums. And I did so. And then love happened. Uh, I went to uh, my, my, first, my first job. My first job after business school, I was working in an art museum, and uh, I, I, I was uh, had a, a I won't say sordid uh, inter-office relationship, but it, but maybe it was for some people. I started dating a, a colleague, and uh, and she and she said, "Look, you know, we're both started starting on our careers. This is probably not the best way to start out our careers. Um, you have an MBA, you can go do whatever you want. I'm an art historian." And I was like, "Wait, I'm an art historian too." She goes, "Yeah, but you have this other degree." So um, uh, uh, that's uh, when I connected with another former colleague of mine that I knew from nonprofit who happened to be in public broadcasting. And, and, I, uh, and uh, you, know, every, you know, who's not a fan of NPR, right? We all love, love NPR. NPR. And when I got to NPR, um, it was such an exciting environment, a news environment, a uh, lot of production going on. And also just uh, that ability to connect listeners to uh, important issues of the day, things that they probably have heard a little bit about that need a bit more deeper explanation or things that they didn't know about. You know, at NPR, we always talked about kind of, you know, shining a light on the shadows um, of, of, of the corners of our society. Um, and that uh, took me to um, to uh, another position in public broadcasting so that was a little bit more public policy oriented at the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Uh, got involved in grant making and connecting people with uh, with uh, with their um, communities um, to their uh, local uh, public radio, public television stations. Um, and and one of the one of the amazing things there was that's sort of when I first started learning about a lot of the inequities that exist in our own country, uh, particularly in groups like like native country. Uh, I'm fortunate now to do uh, a, a little bit of a little bit of work there. Um, and just through uh, kind of uh, uh, more a desire to do more in the social justice area that led me to international development and places like one and ICRW uh, and then uh, wanted to round out my 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 portfolio with philanthropy and understand that world better. And the opportunity came up uh, here at FRAC, an organization that I've known about for a long time, have huge respect for. I mean, you know, this is one of the organizations that has really made a huge, huge difference in the lives of millions of people across the country that not, not a whole lot of people know about. So it's sort of, again, you know, kind of shining a light on a story and on a group of people that are doing uh, tremendous work, and particularly now at a time when there is so much need. 
I mean, what a beautiful story. And I love that you kind of circled back to the NPR mission, threading that because when you were explaining it, I'm like, I feel like that's what Frack is doing, <laughs> you know, it's funny. in the I way that I was thinking that's what we're doing too. And like, I just, oh God, the way yeah. that everybody yeah. can shine a light in the shadows is a wonderful, very wonderful idea. So I yeah. mean, part of today's convo, we want to take this issue out of the shadows. And I wonder if you kind of do that mm. through the lens of Frack's mission and kind of their history. And I know that's a big question, but Break down like what do the programs look like too? Because somebody listening that's never heard of it, take us take us through real quick. Right. So you know it, it's interesting uh, to elevate this thing. Uh, I started here at Frac right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, maybe even maybe a couple of days before. We know people were getting sick, and we weren't quite sure what was going on. And then people in Seattle and the West Coast started getting sick, and then we realized, oh, this is going to be a big deal. Um, and before, but before that became a big deal and we saw the impact that had on people's lives for the economic crisis, the health crisis and the ensuing hunger crisis at, at FRAC and a lot of other anti-hunger organizations were kind of, you know, running up and down the street with our hair on fire saying, we have a hunger problem. We have a hunger problem. And a lot of folks were like, well, I don't know. You know, my neighbor doesn't seem hungry or, you know, uh, you know, I, I see them, uh, you know, uh, walking their dog. But we 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 knew that hunger lived. We had a campaign called Hunger Lives Here because it uh, it existed in places where you didn't see it. Um, a great example of this is one of one of our campaigns that we do around college hunger. Uh, people don't always associate uh, people going to college and having those opportunities facing food insecurity. It happened. So uh, when the pandemic struck, everybody became aware of it because uh, no, and, and because people really didn't know about the solutions that were essentially they're hiding in plain sight. Uh, things like the SNAP uh, program, the school meals program. Uh, the Women, Infants, and Children's Program that helps out mom and our very uh, and very young children, um, and uh, food programs that provide uh, nutrition for uh, the small neighborhood mom and pop daycare centers that so many people in this country rely on to take care of their kids and nourish their kids while they go to work and, and build the lives that they want to build. All these things uh, uh, needed to step up in ways that were. Uh, um, uh, that we had just not not seen before, uh, because we we saw food pantries and food banks kind of stretched to the limit. Uh, it just uh, we and and we and we've known from prior experiences we can't food bank or uh, our way out of hunger. We we really need big, meaningful, uh, innovative uh, solutions like the kinds uh, governments uh, can provide. And uh, this is uh, and this is kind of what where Frack was able really to step in. I feel like, you know, with with topics that are this big and that are complex and obviously solving them are complex, mm. it points to a trend that we really wanted to dive into this year because we feel like it's paramount to solving and w- creating the impact uprising that we talk about on this podcast is this idea of locking arms for impact and mm. getting out of mm-hmm. our lanes that it's mm-hmm. not going to be the nonprofit. It's not going to be just the government. It's not going to be corporations, but we've got to figure out ways to like link up, sync up. Is that... Has that been true of what you've seen happen since the pandemic too? I mean, how has it looked like trying to get activated and do these big things? You can't just work in one lane, right? Absolutely. And uh, all the all those institutions that you mentioned, like what's the one thing they have in common? And that is people people like you, people like me. It's you know yeah. whether whether we volunteer or whether we donate or whether we uh, call and write our congressman uh, and say mm. you know the, the, uh, these programs are important to to be strong and 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 be accessible. So um, 
you know, all those things, all those institutions that you mentioned really kind of require folks to be committed. And that's one of the things that we're, uh, that's, that's big on our radar is to build a national commitment around ending hunger. And for, sort of the first thing is what we were just saying is that it's here. It exists. You know, we, we, we know, we know there's a problem. And, um, uh, and COVID only, like a lot of things, COVID only made it worse. It, it revealed weaknesses in our, in our public health system. It revealed uh, uh, a lot of weaknesses in people's overall economic security. And, and, and when it came down to food, the, the programs really, really needed to, uh, to step in. And when, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, when, when I started, we, we said, you know, what are the key things that we need to do? Well, we need to bolster the SNAP benefit. We need to make sure that the school meal programs uh, can step in because so many kids relied on school meals for, uh, for their uh, nutrition. And, um, and, and programs uh, that provide uh, specialized nutrition like WIC and others needed to become more accessible because a lot of these programs were, uh, were created at a time when people weren't thinking about a global pandemic, right? And they weren't thinking about an economic crisis that the likes we haven't seen in a generation. Yeah. And, you know, I can reconcile a lot of things in this life, but I can't reconcile a hungry child, especially living in the wealthiest country in the world. And, you know, John and I were lucky enough uh, to be in a mentoring program for about a decade through our former healthcare organization. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, your classic inner city school, 90% free and reduced lunch. And I, we saw firsthand what happens when kids come to school hungry and what that does to impact every part of their world. And I'm just really curious about the statistics that your research is finding because we truly value science and data in this. And as Mm -hmm. fundraisers, Mm -hmm. we need data to be able to inform everything that we do in our next steps. And I know you're no different. So educate us on what your research is showing right now and where are the opportunities for people to plug in or maybe to stop doing certain things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the the numbers were just astounding. Uh, uh, before, prior to the pandemic, uh, there were about 35 and a uh, little over 35 million people who were food insecure in this country, about one in 10. Uh, this was in 2019. And then in 2020, uh, sort of at the height of the pandemic in December, we saw that increase to one in seven, <gasps> one in seven people. I just cut um, and, and, and yeah, but, and the thing about it is it's, it's abated, uh, because of the programs and the stuff we've done, but it hasn't abated all that. We're still talking about one in nine people. We're still, worse off than we were pre-pandemic. And that's really, really important because as I was saying before, pre-pandemic, we, we, we had, there was a hunger problem. And, uh, and, and, we, and so we can't, uh, we really can't turn back uh, from what we've been doing uh, to help people get out of it. And on the, on the, on, on the uh, when you were talking about kids, uh, we know that, uh, uh, that, uh, the the school meal programs, as I said, you know, are are central to a lot of kids getting uh, the key nutrition that they need. Some low income kids, that's the only nutrition that they're going to get is through school. And mm-hmm. so when when the school uh, systems uh, and when everything kind of shuttered, uh, we said we need to find a way. We need government to innovate and find a way to get meals to children. Uh, when they can't access uh, their schools. And that, and we really pushed for a program we've been pushing for for a long time called 
a pandemic or a or an EBT program, stands for Electronic Benefits Transfer Card. It's kind of like a credit card where the benefits are loaded and you can use them at the store to, to buy food. It's a lot uh, uh, with the way SNAP uh, the, or what formerly was called food stamps runs now. Um, and it's a great, much more dignified way for people to buy food. You know, they, they don't have to like tear off the uh, the stamps and they can use the the uh, the, the card reader just like every like other people use uh, use that and um, and and we had we needed a similar thing uh, for kids and so um, the other thing that 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 we pushed for is that when schools could provide food uh, meals we said we need to have healthy school meals available for all children all children regardless of their income level and. Uh, people would say, "Oh, yeah, that, that, that's great." And then people start thinking, "Well, what, you know, what what's you going to feed a wealthy? Kid? What are you going to be going to do? You get well. First of all, there's not going to be that many wealthy kids who are who are probably going to offer this. But if if there are, you know, that's that's a great thing is to have like what you were saying, Becky, at the very beginning. Um, uh, you know, food brings people together. And uh, when we saw uh, uh, people being able, children being able to access. Uh, healthy school meals at uh, w- without the barriers that were there before, we saw tremendous. Uh, in, uh, you know, uh, we heard from uh, from school people tremendous improvement uh, in in in, uh, in attendance and um, in in, uh, in in behavior and a, a lot of other uh, key uh, key indicators uh, that they look at. And here's the other thing that we saw, and this is uh, something that's even that's a little bit harder to talk about. Is sort of the stigma and shame that went that went away when people had universal access. You know, we would hear horrible, yeah. horrible stories of kids having their lunch thrown in the trash in front of them when they get to the register because they can't afford it, or because they might have outstanding school meal debt, oh. or they might get their hand hand stamped. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's it's you know, it, it's 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 the 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 system, that, you know, uh, of of not being able to have school meals uh, available. So we would hear these, and we didn't hear any of these horrible shame stories during uh, during the time when they were universally available. But that ended back in June. In, in June, the waivers that USDA allowed to have all schools uh, provide uh, school meals ended. Uh, I mean, people could still get school meals uh, if, if they qualify for them, uh, or they might get the reduced price school meal, but the universality of it ended. And we, we're hearing uh, some of these these things uh, come back, and we're and the other thing we're hearing is we're hearing about parents who might have come into the school meal program during COVID, uh, and now they realize, oh wait, it's it's not available anymore, and I got to apply for it. How do I apply for it? You know, maybe maybe English isn't my, my, my first language, or maybe um, uh, you know I, I might I might have difficulty nav- navigating uh, the bureaucracy of it, or, you know, I, I just didn't know uh, how, how this worked before. So it left a lot of people scrambling. Um, the good news of this is, you know, even, even though, uh, uh, that ended, uh, we see a lot of states and, uh, uh, states like California, um, uh, Colorado just recently passed a, um, a ballot initiative of Vermont. Uh, they've made the commitment to, to feed their kids full stop. Uh, and we want to see that continue. We, we're going to continue to push it at the federal level. Make no, make no bones about it. This needs to be, this needs to be everywhere throughout our country. But, but, uh, but states, uh, much to their credit, they're, they're kind of taking lead because you know they're, they're, they're close to it. They see it every day. Hey friend, are you considering a career move or looking for your next amazing hire? 
We've teamed up with our friends at Slingshot Group to launch We Are For Good Jobs. Good Jobs is all about connecting people, passion, and talent to fuel the impact uprising. So what are you waiting for? Find a job, post a job, or get support to help you on the search at jobs.weareforgood.com. Taking a quick pause from today's episode to thank our sponsor, who also happens to be one of our favorite companies, Virtuous. You know we believe everyone matters, and we've witnessed the greatest philanthropic movements happen when you both see and activate donors at every level, and Virtuous is the platform to help you do just that. It's so much more than a nonprofit CRM. Virtuous helps charities reimagine generosity through responsive fundraising, volunteer management, and online giving, and we love it because this approach builds trust and loyalty through personalized engagement. Sounds like Virtuous might be a fit for your organization? Learn more today at virtuous.org or follow the link in our show notes. Well, I mean, we ran across an interview of Christy, who's a high schooler in California that was part of the Healthy School Meals for All campaign. And I just, I loved her quote. So I want to lift that and maybe be a jumping off point. But she said, Having free school meals for all in California has definitely contributed to my sense of community at school. And so community is not only just one of our core values, we just know it's intrinsically so important to thriving as an individual, and especially as students. Can you talk about that? I mean, share about how the program and the impact that it's taken shape in California and maybe other states. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're, we're hearing uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of great things. Uh, we're hearing... Um, it's, it's really kind of a win, win, win across the board. Um, it's, it's a win for, uh, for the school administrators because there's less hassle. There is less paperwork. It's a win for teachers because, uh, they have, uh, children that are, uh, better, uh, uh, better nursed and ready to learn. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's better for, for kids and parents, uh, overall mental health and, and, and physical health, right? Because they're, they're getting the nutrition. There, there was less worry about um, how it, it, was, it was all going to work out. And, uh, and, 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 we're, and we're hearing um, just, just much like what we were saying at the beginning, you know, it, uh, people can, you know, what a wonderful thing it is when people can come together, share a meal, uh, and have that be, uh, you know, not have lunchtime, not have cafeteria be, an anxiety producing uh, part of the kid's day. Yes. That's, I mean, that, that goes a tremendous way in terms of building community and just building a much more positive experience uh, for our kids. And I love that the voice of Gen Z is in this because they're so heartwired and they're so prone to like want to support causes in any way that they can. So I want to give Christy a big shout out for like hitching mm. her wagon to that. And I just think we need so many Christies across the board who are leaning into this. And I, I want to share a quick story of something that I saw happen that I think really in my community that really underscores why I think community has got to be the the underpinning of this. And I just want to support your comments. Had a friend on Facebook um, who sits on a very, in a very small town on their school board. And the school board was wrestling with what to do with all of this outstanding debt with their lunch program. And what are they going to do mm-hmm. with it? And as the school board is wrestling with this, do we forgive it? Do we pay it? Do we ask for the parents to come in and pay it? someone socialized this and there was such an outcry from the town that said, 
uh-uh, we don't care what the circumstance is. We want our kids to be fed. Mm. And so before they could even make a judgment about it, the community stepped in and individuals stepped in and completely erased all of that debt themselves because they had a belief yeah. that we don't want kids in our town hungry. And it doesn't matter where the burden is. We just want the burden to go away and we want the kids to get fed. And so I really yeah. celebrate like that small town here in Oklahoma who would rise and understand that because I think it's so basic and I think it's so innate. And I would just love to talk about how you're casting that ripple, Louise. Like one of our big trends that John mentioned is we're really exploring this locking arms for impact and how you can mm -hmm. gather like-minded friends, partners, corporations, however they show up and build a bigger impact together. So talk to us a little bit Talk to us a little bit about what you've learned throughout your career in philanthropy and in this current role as it relates to partnerships and collaborations that deepen the impact and help you run faster and further. Absolutely. Well, uh, the, 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 the short answer is I think most people in any kind of philanthropic endeavor know you can't do it alone. You simply just can't do it alone. You need to do it through partnerships. And FRAC is in an interesting place because we have a network of hundreds of state and local anti-hound groups across the country. So, um, at, you know, at FRAC, we have a small but mighty team here in Washington, D.C., advocating at the national level. And we're and, and through uh, through modern technology tools, we're able to um, provide technical assistance and, and support for all of our state and local uh, partners uh, across. And, and they're in every state in the country. Um, in, in some places uh, more than others, uh, but we're uh, but but we but we are everywhere because because hunger unfortunately still is everywhere, and these these folks are uh, they're doing a, an amazing job. A lot of them are uh, organizations modeled very much like FRAC, uh, like we have partners uh, in Maryland and D.C. Uh, Maryland Hunger Solutions, D.C. Hunger Solutions, in Oklahoma we have uh, hung, um, uh, uh, we have an organization as well there that does. Tremendous work, and uh, all these are, and and and, and they're and sometimes uh, they're uh, they're slightly different. Sometimes they're the food bank, or they're uh, they might be another organization, but they all have this connection to community that is so important, um, and and that gives them the knowledge of what's happening in people's lives, and they can take that and they can articulate that to local leaders, as you're talking about the local school board. You know, a lot of this stuff happens at the local level. And then we can take that um, through organizations like FRAC, and then we can help build um, an awareness at the federal level. So people in Congress know about it. So the White House knows about it. So uh, people at USDA, Department of Education, or whatever, whoever else needs to know about it, we rely on that network of, of, of folks who are working uh, with community. And I'm really uh, proud to say that, uh, you know, we've been, uh, we've also been, working uh, a lot with uh, people of community of lived expertise in poverty and hunger and trying to, and lifting up their voices because you know we know we sit here in dc yeah we look at the numbers and we know the folks in congress we, we can talk to them but uh but much as much like you were saying you know it's it's the, those voices uh and, and people having access to those stories and understanding uh what's um, what's happening in people's lives that's going to make a difference. And yes, and, 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 uh, we, we, and, and even uh, the, the advocacy of the philanthropic community, the corporate community, everybody has a role to play in this because, uh, you know, we, uh, food comes through uh, the, the, the commercial process. 
uh, we um, even like we we have a saying, for example, the SNAP program. Uh, SNAP is one of the one of the beauties of it is it rides on the regular rails of commerce. And uh, so it uses the infrastructure that, that already exists. It uses uh, the distribution systems through uh, food stores uh, that exist. That, um, and we think that's so important, not just for accessibility, but also for dignity. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we work so closely with, uh, with the communities of people who lived expertise in poverty, hunger, and, and other low-income communities. We hear a lot about the importance of dignity and just, you know, wanting to be treated like everybody. Ooh. Thank you for saying so many of those things that uh, resonate with how we really want to encourage organizations listening to show up and to how you center your local community and you center proximity at your mission at every level. So people listening, I wonder, Luis, like how can we get involved? Like how can local organizations get involved with the work you're doing at FRAC? I know y'all do so much on just the research aspects and obviously the lobbying and just the connecting with people in Washington aspects too. What does it look like to get involved from an organizational level with y'all? Well, for folks who are listening, uh, we have a fantastic we have fantastic resources on our website, fracfrac.org. Uh, we have connections there to something we call the Frac Action Network that we will routinely activate uh, when we need to make sure that policymakers hear from their local communities. Uh, for example. Uh, if, if there uh, if, if there is something like uh, an upcoming um, uh, drop in SNAP benefits, like we might be seeing uh, this spring, unfortunately, that might lead to a hunger clip. People need to know that those things uh, are, are going to impact their uh, their communities or uh, the um, uh, the inability of having uh, 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 the level of access to school meals that people had before. Uh, people, um, uh, people can, can, uh, can, uh, become part of that community through the FRAC website. We have links to all of our other, uh, state and, and local partners. Um, and we have, we have abilities for people to contribute and donate. And this is really, really important because, um, uh, one of the things, uh, cause, uh, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, I've done a lot of, I've been in a lot of different parts of philanthropy. And one of the things that I have seen time and time again is that, Unfortunately, a lot of the some of the most impactful things uh, in um, in our in our society are groups like like FRAC and our state and local groups that are working to change policy. And you know, uh, it's it's not always uh, as, as as sexy as um, as some direct service goes, but in terms of the value that people are, are are getting in terms of the of the impact that can be made through advocacy it's tremendously important and so sometimes uh organ these kinds of organizations they kind of get lost in the sauce you know they go, oh it's a it's a think tank it might be a foundation or whatever no we're uh we're a community of people and uh and and our experts and um are providing uh, important services uh, and an important education uh up up and down the chain of uh, of policy making and uh, to and to and to people who uh, who need to hear this message. So uh, so I would I would encourage people when you know when you're thinking about ending hunger, you know you, you know think about your local advocacy or say think about frac. These, these uh, uh, you know we know as I was saying before, you know people learned early on we can't food bank our way can't out of hunger you know, charity alone can't do it. Uh, we often uh, cite uh, a figure that for every one meal provided by a food bank. SNAP provides nine. So uh, uh, we're almost talking about a, a 10x level of difference. And that's just on the SNAP. 
program. Well, uh, you can add in some of the other programs that I mentioned earlier, and it's and it's uh, might even be uh, more impressive. But it's it's important that uh, that these organizations get the support from their local communities and from people, both in terms of their their philanthropy, but also their engagement, because uh, you know they, they need uh, they need the support to run the programs that they need, but they also need the voice to be able to uh, to say to people in positions of authority and power, hey, this stuff is important. We need to end hunger now. Hungry people can't wait. They can't wait. And and the thing yep. that I hear you saying is everybody has a role to play in this. And if you have nothing to yeah. give beyond your voice and your advocacy, that's enough. And I'd love to just throw a challenge out to everybody who's listening right now. Find a local hunger organization and go volunteer an hour or two there. I will tell you, my family and I did this back in November. And we took our kids and we went with a church group. And so there was like 20 of us. And I will tell you, the Regional Food Bank of Oklahoma did an unbelievable job of not making it a transactional experience for us. When we came in, they did frontline education. First of all, bravo, Regional Food Bank, because you captured all my information and had a kiosk for me to be able to put my credit card in and make a (laughs) gift or do certain (laughs) things. And now I get regular feedback. So as a communications person, I love that. But honestly, they educated me and my children about what's happening in our community. Kids that we're standing next to, you know, in certain public places. And then we went and worked for two hours. And then they didn't send us home. They sent us back into the big room and they said, here's the impact of what every group here did today. Here's how many pounds we loaded. Here's how many people that's going to translate to. And now we want you to tell your friends what you were able to do to feed people in your community. And it had a profound effect on my kids. I just think there is Mm. something to be learned in gratitude of what we have and sharing generously what we have with others that don't. So thank you for lifting that, Louise. And I just think this is a conversation that everyone can relate to because y'all, we love good food and everyone deserves to know what it feels like to have good food in their bellies. So we've told a lot of stories, (laughs) at least I have on this episode, but we really value the story that connects us in philanthropy. And I wonder if there's a story, Louise, of philanthropy that has moved in your life that has stuck with you and wondered if you would share it with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have been privileged to have seen several uh, in, uh, in the various parts of my career that we talked about before. But the one that really kind of sticks with me is, um, you know, before when I was working in international development, one of the things I was really passionate about in, in that line of work, which relates to this line of work, is is agriculture and, and food security. And we, we visited um, a, um, a site where uh, through, uh, through a U.S. program, U.S. AID program, uh, smallholder farmers were able to uh, learn how to improve their farming techniques. But here's the, here's the thing also. They were also able to learn how to monetize it, how to maximize uh, the, the, their income for this. And that is super, super important because um, and, as, as most people know in business, those middle parts of the value chain, that's where a lot of value is created. And, uh, and, and, and the illustration of this was so amazing. Uh, we, we talked to this woman, she, she shared with us her story, and then she, she was so proud of her home. She wanted to show us her oh. home. We were like, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's go to the home. And so we, we entered through one, and, and we entered through a 
what you can call almost sort of like uh, in a, an outdoor uh, utility space. It was kind of um, uh, uh, kind of twig walls and, and sort of a corrugated tin roof. And she said, and 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 I, and I was like, is this your home? She goes, well, this is part of my home. She goes, this is my first home. And then this is kind of what I first started through the program when I first started learning about how how to how to improve my life. And then she took us to a to a, a second part of her house, which had cinder block walls. So, so it was a little bit better. The, the, uh, the, uh, there was still a dirt floor, um, and, and 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 each part of the room, each part of the house is where she used to like store various elements of of her of her food business that she in, uh, that she had created and she was this is my second home and then she took us to her third part of her home which was like this you know nice plaster walled she had a sofa a tv a stereo uh one of her one of one of her children was playing a you know a, a, a video game that was there and she said you know this this was she says, this represents my journey. This represents my journey to wow. being able to provide more for my family and being able to, uh, and, and being, and being able to feed them and feed my community. And I was like, oh gosh. And just she like, and, and, I, we, and, and the cool thing was we literally walked through that each stage of her life and we got Holy a sense God. of how each stage of her life was. And, uh, and, 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 and I think even, even though that happened, you know, thousands of miles away in Tanzania, we, I still see that here. I still see that parts here where people are like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build a better life, uh, for, for my kids and for my family. And I want to have the, uh, economic agency and the resiliency that, that you have and that other, other people have because, and, and, uh, and, and that's, that's where these programs are so important because that's, that's what they're doing. They're, they're driving economic growth and they're ultimately driving people to build a better life for themselves. Man, what a story. And I mean, what an experience. I can understand why that has stuck with you. Um, we get to yeah. be witness to a lot of stories, but man, that one is really like walking through someone's life right in front of you play out. Literally walking through it. Yeah, literally it amazing. Well, I mean, as we start to round out this conversation, you've given us so much, I think, for anybody that's looking to build partnerships too, that's listening, that's wanting to plug in locally in their community to be part of this change. Like, we ask all of our guests to give us a one good thing. And we define that as it could be a secret to your success or a habit or a piece of advice that maybe relates to what we talked about today. What would you leave us with today? You know, I would say having a really clear understanding you know it, uh, because so much of what i uh, what i'm what i'm thinking about is kind of shaped by the sort of um, uh the crucible that was covid right you know so many things happening in an intense way re- really really fast and you know none of us had a playbook for it. you know most last time you lived through a global yeah. pandemic. <laughs> 1917 i missed that one yeah but, um, but but here but here's the thing in, in our organization we talk a lot about our values and if you uh, and if you have a really kind of clear understanding of your values a lot of other things kind of start to fall into place and and, and here's the thing but it's also important to be brutally honest about what those values are yeah. it's also important to be, have have the uh, sort of uh, the self awareness uh, to be and this, I think this sort of talks about us as individuals as well. Step outside yourself and be aware of how other people value you. You know, you might have, you might say, well, I think I'm really, really good at this. Uh, and people are like, well, maybe I, I don't see that part of you and, and thinking about that. So uh, when, you know, when we were trying to figure out the role we were going to play in, in getting more support to people uh, and, 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 and where we were going to focus our attention, we relied on our values. 
And we also had to say, okay, where, where does FRAC fit into this? We know what the emergency food distribution people are doing. We know what this groups are doing. You know, let's figure out how we can make sure we can, we can have the federal programs do as much as possible. So that, that kind of awareness is, is, is really super important. And I love that your one good thing was about abundance because that's really what we're working toward is having abundance of food so that people can go out and live their lives. When you're well-fed, you have more energy. Your your head is clear. You have joy. There's yeah. less worry. I just think about the mental health benefits, not just the physical. So out. Absolutely. So Louise, mm-hmm. tell people how they can connect with you. How can they connect with FRAC? Give us where you hang out on socials in any way they can come and even make a gift and where that gift would be most needed at your organization. Well, we have a set of great programs on our, on our website. Uh, so if you go to frac.org, there'll be links there uh, uh, to, uh, for donations and you can learn more about, learn more about the programs. Uh, we have uh, we have a tremendously important year coming up, and we can really use uh, people's support. Uh, there's a farm bill coming up. The farm bill is the big piece of monster federal legislation that governs not just farmers and farm credit and all that other stuff, but it also governs the nutrition programs as well. It's all part of the same thing. And so we want to make sure that that we can learn from the lessons of COVID. And we're doing a lot of outreach uh, to our state and local groups. And uh, we want to make sure that there's a robust um, uh, a robust set of information that policymakers know about what worked and what didn't work in terms of, of making that change. So if you'll go to frac.org, F-R-A-C dot O-R-G, uh, make a contribution to FRAC. Uh, that's going to help us uh, do what we need to do to uh, make sure we can continue putting food on the table of people in need. Uh, we also have an amazing campaign uh, we talked about earlier to make school meals available for all kids, Please. regardless of their income across the country. It's a healthy school meals for all campaign um, that uh, uh, there's a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of hard work uh, from the team that's going into that. And we're also wanting to build awareness of all this stuff. And, and so all that, uh, it takes it takes partnership, it takes commitment, it also takes resources. Uh, and and that's, w- that's where we can really use, uh, use people's help. So, uh, so uh, we're, we would be um, tremendously grateful uh, and we would love to invite people to join us in the fight to end hunger in, the, in, in this country. We're, you know, we're, we're getting really, really, really close. Uh, but, uh, but still a lot of people in need and, uh, and, you know, these kinds of moments, they come once every hundred years or once every generation where the focus and, and the pain just becomes so, uh, so apparent that, that people really, really can't ignore it. So, uh, yeah, th- th- this, this is, this is the moment, this is the moment and we really need people's help to get it over the finish line. Now is the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Immense gratitude to you and your team that are pouring into this work um, in such a heart-wired way. This has been an awesome conversation and just feel buoyed to know that y'all are doing your thing in the world and linking arms with all these incredible organizations on the front lines all across the country. So thank you. Yeah, and and I forgot to mention, and and follow us uh, on Twitter, Frack Tweets. 
Uh, oh, love that. The, <laughs> Best handle <laughs> ever. Yeah. Uh, frack, I mean, you'll have a tweet. great acronym. Let's be clear. Oh. <laughs> the acronym's really good. I mean, it's seven letters to remember the web address. It's frack.org. <laughs> it's just easy. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, we, uh, we, uh, we, you know, sometimes people are like, well, what part of the food cycle or what part of the food process do you, do you work on? But, um, but there's a tremendous amount of information there. And I'm, I'm at Frack Prez, P-R-E-Z, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm also, uh, pretty, I'm, I, I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. So people can find me, Luis Guardia, uh, on, on LinkedIn and, uh, would love to, We'd love to connect with more people yes. and uh, and find more ways uh, to partner with uh, with folks who are listening. Well, you are a bright light in the world, Louise. I just want to send my appreciation to you, to your team, and to the way that you get the information out. And if friends, if this resonated with you, if this is striking you as something that is really connected to your heart, do a one percent shift this year. Find a way to do one thing, to get involved, to lend your voice, lend your time, lend your dollars if you have them. But we need people to be fed. It's a basic necessity in the richest country in the world and wherever you are in the world. So please lean in and be a part of this movement. Thank you, Louise. Thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And thanks for everything you guys are doing for all the great causes out there. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing, if you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.